Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast, where we learn from the smartest people in the world. I'm your host, Daniel Vadnall, a physio from Australia with more than 15 years of calisthenics experience. Pierre Cole Fernandez is a calisthenics and straight lifting specialist. He's an aerospace engineer, which explains his calculated approach to calisthenics. What are the most common mistakes you see people make with weighted calisthenics? Well, um, I see a lot of people training with not much planification. I mean, just going to the gym, adding some weight and just doing whatever they feel they're going to do. I mean, I think people like, as we said before, it's very accessible for everyone. Also, many people start um, trying weighted calisthenics without proper knowledge of what they're doing of how they should train the, the, the weighted calisthenics. It also happened to me in the beginning, of course, uh, we all go through that unless you're with a, let's say, a coach. But you know, uh, when I started, I also was like pretty lost. I just went to the gym and did whatever I felt was good for me to improve. But you know, I think people should uh, focus more on um, learning how to how to properly train for strength if they want to, to improve strength instead of, uh, in, of investing that much time and going to the gym and just doing stuff, you know, Be like, what, what do you need to improve a pull-up, right? I'm um, just like, um, just try to program uh, how will you progress for the for the next weeks. How is straight lifting different from regular calisthenics? Well, roller calisthenics basically involves like everything body weight related. Um, you know, the origin is like people going to, to, uh, to a park on the street and basically trading for like body weight movements. Um, ranging from static movements, floor levers, uh, planches, all that, uh, to repetitions so like pull-ups, dips, doing handstands, you know, all that I would consider it as calisthenics. Um, then it appeared the the word weighted calisthenics where people just added some weights to the pull-ups, the dips, and some other exercises um, they um, performed. And then that those that people started transitioning to going to to a gym because uh, in going in an outdoors park you don't have uh, that equipment. In so lifting you are you're training to get the strongest one repetition max to be able to lift the maximum amount of weight for one repetition. And in uh, calisthenics or weighted calisthenics you're just like um, if you're in calisthenics you're just working with your body weight. Uh, and weighted calisthenics you may use some weights to improve your calisthenics. What do you think is special about straight lifting and what draws people to doing it? Doing calisthenics is good, but once you have acquired certain movements, maybe you need more. You need to say, hey, let's just add some weight. Let's see how much can I lift. People like that. People like to, um, to uh, overcome themselves, to see, hey, um, yesterday I lifted 10 kilos. Now I can lift 15, you know, that's that's motivating, that's keep you going. So I think that's the thing that people like the most about um, straight lifting or, or weighted calisthenics aimed for straight lifting. Um, because you have like a very objective way to um, to say, hey, I am progressing because one month ago I was lifting five kilos less than what I'm doing today. So I think that's really, really good. Also, it's pretty accessible because in every gym you can find a pull-up bar or some deep setup so it's very accessible for the people and you know you don't need that much equipment gear that in addition to the lifelong challenge of continuously adding weight of course you can do that with just conventional calisthenics but after rep number 30 35 (laughs) 40 you're like what can i do for one rep 
Yeah, I mean, there's people who likes it. Um, I know a very, very good uh, that do like endurance uh, with calisthenics that are absolutely crazy. And you know, they just like to do a hundred repetition sets. And I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, that's another part of the calisthenics, the ones that are like focused on on getting a very strong like endurance. We've spoken about one repetition max. Why should we measure that for weighted calisthenics regular training? Yes. So, um, well, it's good to um, calculate your one repetition max because when you are doing your sets, when you're like um, thinking about your workout program for the following uh, weeks or months, you need to know what weights should you start with or uh, approximate like what weights will you uh, take for the for the training sessions. So if you know your one repetition max with, uh, with uh, one repetition max calculators, you can um, say, okay, with I should be able to do six repetitions or five repetitions with this weight, more or less. So I think that's uh, a good um, a good approach for the for calculating your one repetition max. Also, because it's a very good way to track progress. You can track progress by calculating your three repetition max or also one repetition max. So yeah, with testing one rep max, it can be quite scary and also dangerous. It, it takes a lot of effort to build up to doing a single all-out effort and assess what your maximum weight lifted is. You've promoted before that there's ways to calculate one rep max based on repetition max with a weight. Can you just elaborate on that? I'm a big fan of the one repetition max calculators. I've always <laughs> liked to develop them and, you know, and try to find a, a proper formula to get the one repetition max. And I think it's a very good method to to calculate your one repetition max without actually doing it because it's very stressful. And, and maybe you uh, your training program does not um, allow you to do one repetition max at least now. So you can just go for, you know, for an AMRAP for let's say 85 or 90% of your max weight or estimated max weight because we don't know the max weight. And um, then just assume that if you have probably done five or six repetitions, you can calculate what your max would be. So yeah, that's a, a very useful way to, to doing the, those calculations. Great. I like that as a way of finding it out without having to push it to the limit. And I'll just add as another point here, it's very fun to test your one rep max properly, but then it's also nice to hit different personal records. As you said, you can test your three rep max, your five rep max, and you can keep coming back to this over your straight lifting Wade Carlsnacks journey. Yeah, exactly. Maybe if you're like more in a volume state or not in a very heavy hypertrophy phase, um, you are not up to build to a one repetition max, but maybe you're up to build up to three repetition max or four repetition max. What rep schemes do you find most effective for gaining strength? I'd like to go with very low repetitions. Actually, right now I'm, I'm going with a very, very low repetition range. But in the past, I used to go a bit higher. And by higher, I mean... I went up to eight repetition range, which may not seem very high if you are like um, regular gym training, but <laughs> that's very high if you're training for strength, I think. So, but yeah, I would go for eight repetitions in the starting of a training uh, program, like um, in the, we would say like more like hypertrophy phase. 
and then I would go down to three, four repetitions at max for wielding strength, yeah, in the more advanced phase of the training program. For sure. And how does volume tie into strength building with these low repetitions? Volume, right. Um, I put um, volume in terms of uh, accessory work, not the main exercises. For, so for example, I go for two repetitions, um, a couple sets, and then three repetitions, three more sets. And that's it, the all, all the volume I'm going to do for the pull-ups, for example. And then the, 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 the work comes from the accessory work. Let's say um, assisted warm pull-ups. You can go for all the machines, like pull-downs, rows, whatever. And here I put the volume to, I don't know, 12, 14 repetitions and many, many sets. Can you speak about the favorite accessory exercises for someone that wants to get stronger at straight lifting? I used to have uh, my two favorite exercises in, in whole calisthenics, which uh, actually still are um, the muscle ups and the handstand push-ups. For me, are the best two calisthenics exercises out there. Uh, but for weighted calisthenics, I still do handstand push-ups for, for my shoulders. Um, I think they are a very good exercise. Um, I also like doing uh, unilateral work for the pull down, rows, you know, all those exercises, I think they're very good for your back and to, you know, to keep track of the movement while you're doing it and know what muscles are pulling, you know. So I, I do lots of uh, pull downs. Also, a lot, another exercise that I really like is um, face pull. I do lots of face pull. Uh, it's a great exercise, um, especially for the upper part of the pull up. So, so yeah, that would be my favorite exercises. Planification, that makes so much sense. Having a structure, sticking to it, and then seeing progress over time. Can you outline a very basic split that you would recommend for someone to get stronger with weighted calisthenics? What movements would you do on a certain day? No need to talk about sets, reps, intensity, but just what overall structure could someone follow with good success? Sure. Yeah, as you said, uh, reps and intensity will depend on the on which part of the training cycle are you. So we cannot talk about that, but we can talk about some distributions of exercises along the days. Two years ago, I was doing the push pull uh, split. I was doing on on Mondays and Fridays. I was doing pull, and by pull I mean muscle ups and pull ups, and then on Tuesdays and Saturdays I was doing push, which was uh, dips and squats. And then on Wednesday I did some technique of muscle ups, handstands and accessory work. Right, That's a, a split, which was effective, but uh, sometimes I felt that as the push days I was doing dips and then squats. And then on Saturday I was doing squats and then dips. So maybe I was like a little tired. I mean, obviously not the legs, because if you do dips, you don't tire the legs, but the nervous system was fatigued. So it was not the same. So there are other like schemes, for example, uh, now I am doing the, I'm doing like pull, squat, push, and then pull, squat. So you have like a day just for push and then two days for pulling and two days for squatting and only one day for push because um, my pectoral gets very heavily loaded very easily so I cannot put much volume in so I am just doing one once uh, once a week and even it's one week uh, heavy one week light so imagine I cannot work much 
the the dips. So so yeah, and also there's the problem about the muscle up and the pull up in the same workout because if you do a lot of pull ups, then your muscle up is absolutely gone and you have no power at all. So in my experience, unless you want to work muscle up with fatigue, uh, my experience is to put the muscle up first uh, in the training session. You can go maybe if you have a strong pull-up day, you can go for light muscle-ups or just like technique muscle-ups at the beginning. And then you have more like a volume day for pull-ups or more like technique day for pull-ups. You can go for like uh, heavier muscle-ups in the beginning of the of the workout. But but yeah, you cannot like put heavy muscle-ups and heavy pull-ups in the same workout and expect you to be at 100% because the pull-ups or the muscle-ups won't be at 100%. Yeah. What are the benefits of hypertrophy or massing cycles? Well, uh, in hypertrophy, your objective is to gain um, uh, muscle mass and, and strength. Also, building properly um, body types. For example, um, going for a high fat percentage to lower fat percentage and higher mass muscle mass per- percentage. And I think it's very helpful with all the strength-related um, sports. Basically, because um, you want to start your training programs with maybe uh, lower intensities, higher volumes, maybe like eat a lot, so you increase your body your body mass, and then slowly start cutting the rep ranges, start increasing the weights, um, start also maybe if you're interested, um, cutting the the calorie income, so you lower your body fat, increase your muscle mass, and then just um, just yeah, and, and adapt your body to 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 take higher weights every time also to avoid injuries so i think it's pretty pretty good for strength training yeah and how do you go about doing it do you prefer to within a training cycle incorporate hypertrophy and strength or do you bias one and then transition to the other i i take steps i don't do it gradually if that's what you what you mean um I just do, for example, one training cycle of one month, one month and a half of just like hypertrophy with high volume. And then suddenly it's like more, maybe I do uh, 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 the load week in the middle, but and then I start with more like intense cycle with, you know, higher, higher weights and lower repetition ranges. Yeah. That makes sense. It's sending a more clear signal to your yeah, body yeah. what the stimulus is. And do you feel that's more important for strength? Because you're trying to get that real specific neural output as opposed to hypertrophy. You've probably got more room for variation in, in the training phase. Yeah, I think it's very interesting for, for strength. I mean, I don't know. It's like you flow better with the a, with a training, you know? It's like, I don't know, if you started with very heavy weights in the beginning and you skipped maybe the, that initial volume phase with the lower weights, I mean, something's missing. You also have a, a very good opportunity to to work your technique on the volume phase. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, it's necessary, in my opinion. What would your advice be for finding the optimal body fat percentage to optimize relative and absolute strength? Because calisthenics involves both lifting your body weight and added load as well. Oh, uh, wow. Um, that's a hard one. I mean, uh, I I will take references. For example, in powerlifting, people does not tend to be um, in very low fat percentage because they they want to have like loft of as max body mass as possible in the weight category, of course, in order to you know to feel like more safe lifting the weights and more on, and stronger. 
And then there's like weightlifting, for example, that uh, it's a sport I admire a lot. Um, that they are going in a competition that absolute crazy um, low body fat percentage. You, you see the Chinese weightlifters are absolutely ripped. So I think weight calisthenics stands in the middle of those. More moving more to the weightlifting. That's something I really like. Uh, I like um, being the you know the, the aesthetics of. Uh, of weighted calisthenics um, but you know giving a number it's it's hard but I would probably say uh, I'd like to think uh, pretty pretty low fat percentage um, probably under the 10% uh, because you know um, it really uh, those extra kilos really affect the muscle up and the pull up you know not much a dip the dip you can probably increase your body weight and the dip won't suffer the squat obviously Probably if you weigh more, you will improve the squat. But you know, for the you know for the more calisthenics part, let's say the the muscle up and the and the pull up, yeah, you you know that body weight really makes a difference. For example, if I weight a couple or three kilos more, I easily lose five kilos of muscle up. I mean, it's crazy. You really like you feel very very heavy. So so yeah. For example, now I'm weighting 90 kilos, and I'm planning to going down to 87 in the in the next few months. So yeah, I'm just like, I will gain five kilo muscle up like, like nothing for sure. The answer is basically the leanest that you can sustain and perform to your best ability at that, at that level. I was hoping you were going to give me a easier answer or something to, to bulk up, but that sounds like the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. How do you work on sticking points during exercises? I do a lot of um, post repetitions for the sticking points. Uh, for example, in the pull-ups, my sticking point is where the bar is at my eye level. So I like to pause there and then just uh, start the movement from, from there. You also can just work on half repetitions. You, for example, in the pull-ups, you go um, um, over the box and you start the movement in the position of the sticking point. You know. Also, you can, and I do that, um, add uh, some resistant bands. So, for example, if your sticking point is more in the upper part of the movement, you attach the sticking bands to the floor, for example. So, you have the more resistance in the part you, you're the weakest. So, you can like actually force that part to, to work um, in with more with more tension. Yeah, I also put some tempo repetitions. Uh, it's not directly to for the sticking points, but I like to you know, to control the movement uh, along all the all the way of the exercise and, you know, and to have the proper position while you're going through a sticking point because sometimes in the sticking point you lose uh, the, the proper position and maybe with tempo repetitions you can really feel if you're going uh, in the, you know, with the proper way, the, if you're doing the pull-up in the proper way or the dip in the proper way. The tempo reps really reinforce, especially the end range of motion or the lockout to make sure that you're hitting depth and completing the technical proficiency of the movement, I've found. I mainly use them to improve technique, to, to, to feel the exercise, and to properly control the movement all, all the way. So, so yeah, it's a very, very good exercise. A strategy that I've found useful for when incorporating tempo reps is just say I go to a session and I've got a planned weight to use, but it's just too heavy. I, I just know that I'm not gonna hit my planned reps with the technique that I want. I'll incorporate tempo reps by reducing the intensity, decreasing the weight, but offsetting that intensity from an absolute perspective 
with just ruthlessly strict technique with tempo. Yep, totally. Yep, that's a very good approach for to improve. Yeah, um, like lowering the weight. Um, you do the tempo reps, and you know that you feel the same amount of of you know of stress, but you've not used the 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 weight you um, the higher weight. You know, so yeah, it's very good. Can you talk me through what you think is the perfect technique on a pull up? You know, straight legs. Uh, of course, um, I like to point my feet also like the gymnast because I was training for some period of time in a gymnastic gym and you know, I, I had the habit of just pointing the feet. Also, I feel like I can squeeze more with my legs if I uh, straighten my feet. Uh, also, squeeze the legs for the weight not to move um, and to also have like more like core strength to, to allow you to pull because if you are like, your legs are with the weight, um, you have like you know some leverage to pull with your with your legs, so so you can pull higher. The core pretty tight, but I don't really think about the core. It's more like when you're like finishing the pull, you have the tightest core because you need to actually um, bring the chin over the bar. And I don't know, like starting in a neutral scapula position. I wouldn't go to to loose because if you are like uh, you, you're starting in a in a very like a shallow scapula position. Then it's very hard to actually start it, start the pull, so you lose a lot of power. But then if you also start with a very retracted scapula, you're maybe um, wasting too much energy in the starting point. So I would just look only in a normal starting position. That point there is great advice because any tutorial on pull-ups you ever see, it's either going to be one or the other. Oh really? Go into a <laughs> dead hang. Go into start from scap engaged, but hearing it from someone that's got world-class pulling strength, you want to have some active stability, some active engagement, not too floppy, but yep. not fully engaged, something in between. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. So yeah, if you keep those things in mind, the starting point, I think you're good to start pulling. Um, and then basically another part I would like to really remark on the pull-up, it's a higher part of the pull-up which is at least the part I struggle the most. So maybe there's more people who also struggle the most in the upper part, um, which is that I like to bring my elbows back and closer to my body in the upper part. I like to think of that because that way I can just gain the the, the final centimeters I need to to be able to pass the chin over over the bar. So yeah, I like to, to keep that in my mind, to actually like bring the elbows together because sometimes when I fail the pull-up, it's because my elbow just went too far apart and I'm not able to reach. So if I just remember to bring them back, it's like to, to put the scapula in the proper position, right? I just finished the, my, my pull-up. And talking about the, the hand also, um, it's really good to start a pull-up with your hands in an upper bar position. Just don't get like a false grip, but you know, upper and a strong um, start, you know, because if you start with a normal grip, it would be like that, you lose uh, some centimeters. And if you rotate the hand like that, you have gained, you know, that space. So in the upper part, you have like a couple less centimeters to, to go up, actually. Also, you feel like more confident and stronger to pull. How about finding the right hand width? I would just recommend to try different hand widths and just the one you feel more comfortable. I mean, if you close your hands, you're going to feel more powerful in the lower part. At least that's for me. And if you open more the... the but then in the upper part, it's harder to actually, you know, hit the proper 
to bring the chin over the bar. I mean, you can go uh, uh, um, over the bar in the in the vertical axis, but in the horizontal, you, you, it's very hard to enter and to actually put the chin over the bar. But then if you open more, um, I don't know, I think the more you open, the less powerful you are, but maybe you can like push for a longer period of time. I mean, I, sorry, you can pull for a longer period of time. So you have like maybe more strength. So you have to find the balance between being able to to grind your pull up and being explosive. So, I mean, just, I mean, you have to try different widths. I would say slightly more than your shoulders and and just from there, just try open, close and try what's best for you. I think that's the best approach. Just finding what is most comfortable. That's generally what's going to be strongest. But I'll just add that people shouldn't be afraid to train with variation from time to time with a wider grip because it'll target parts of the pull-up that are maybe dormant and could potentially contribute to a more holistic uh, level of progression as well. Yep, sure. For example, when I was training powerlifting, my coach uh, told me, you know, for the bench, for example, um, today you have close grip bench, you have like regular grip bench, now you have wide grip bench, you know, there was like a lot of variation. So yeah, that can work the same for the, for the pull-ups, totally. This episode is sponsored by Fitness FAQs. Become a bodyweight beast with our calisthenics workouts. Use the coupon code PODCAST10 at checkout to save 10% off when shopping at fitnessfaqs.com. Don't miss this discount. Start training smarter and enjoy the gains. Can you please walk me through the perfect muscle-up technique? It's very difficult to get it right. I mean, there's many people who's doing muscle-ups, um, but you know, if you want to go to the perfect technique, it's actually, it's very, very difficult. But you know, the, the main keys here would be not to keep too much. I mean, not to move your legs too much. Um, uh, um, the legs needs to be straight. I also have the pointing uh, feet. Um, I like to squeeze the weight as much as possible. Um, when you hang from the bar, you don't want to move too much because if you move too forward, if you swing too forward, um, then when you're transitioning, you need to create a lot of backwards momentum to have the transition to overcome the bar. So you need to compensate with something and you compensate with the legs and then appears the keeping. So if, for example, you have a look at the gymnast when they do a, I think it's called an Olympic muscle up, they just swing a lot uh, very forward and then just keep a lot because they have swung uh, very forward. So yeah, I recommend swinging as little as possible but you need to swing something because if you are like completely still you have at least me i don't know when to start the muscle up i need to have like some starting point which is when i start going backwards in the swinging swinging um movement and then you know just pull as high as you as you can and keep pulling the high as you go and once and once you feel you can overcome the bar just pull yourself forward super strong and just bring the chest over the bar and then you're done, just um, finish with the dip. And I feel there's a difference based on the grip width that determines the muscle up technique at large because people tend to opt for the closer grip or you see some people go the wider grip, more more flared technique. I, I used to go with the wider grip. Uh, actually, I went in a competition in Vienna like four years ago, I think, and I did the very wide muscle up. I mean, same with uh, the pull up. Um, um, but you know, I think it's not optimal. It's way better to go for a closer grip for the transition, because if you try to do transition with with a wide grip, uh, it's 
much easier to fail because you don't have the stability and you cannot push that hard. Um, I mean, I don't know. So, so yeah, I just go for the for the closer grip now. I feel the same with the transition because in the wide flared grip one, you have to stay more vertical at the transition. Whereas if you have the hands closer in, you can almost dive the the shoulders and chest over the bar as well. Exactly, and the transition needs to be very aggressive. I think in order to ensure that you can complete the muscle up. And yeah, also about the hands, it's very, very important here. Uh, we talked about it in the pull-ups, but here it's very important to actually do the overhand grip properly because in the muscle up, you, if your wrist is higher, so you have better transition. I love that little hack, Pierre, about having that pseudo false grip to increase your leverages, decrease the pulling distance. <laughs> that's uh, that's going to help people with some PRs for sure. Yep, sure. On the topic of weighted muscle-ups, what's your preferred method for getting these as strong as possible? You can find your max power weight, which is uh, you you do one repetition with, let's say, 20% of your one repetition max in pull-ups. Then you do 30, 40, 50, 60%, and you record all the repetitions, and then you measure the time. Maybe I'm a little crazy, but and then you measure the time you you take to go from the from the bottom of the pull-up to the top of the pull-up, and then if you plot um, all those times, you see which, where did you exert the max power, which in my case is usually around 55 kilos. So then if you work with that weight, uh, explosive repetitions, um, I think it's a, it's the best way actually to, to improve your power. Now, for those listening, Pierre's an aerospace engineer, so he loves the technical <laughs> aspect of stuff. Yeah. Um, we'll provide in the show notes a link to his resource where you can calculate your stats with that stuff as well. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. And can you talk about doing those super heavy ring muscle-ups? For people that go back to your older stuff, that was like a really long time ago, where I was training in the in the gymnastic gym, and actually the the famous video that uh, that I got it was like the 60 kilo muscle up in the rings, and all that was because that day I arrived at the gym and I thought like let's just try my max muscle up. I mean I did not even train for that. I was just like let's just try. And I started adding weight, 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 and you know, I just got 60 kg muscle up. Um, I did not plan for that at all. I just went there and, and actually did it. And, and actually the, the, the video was released like maybe one month after I did the, the, the muscle up because I thought it's not even that impressive. Uh, so I did not post it. And then a friend of mine just saw the video and said, what the fuck, bro? Just post it on Instagram. <laughs> and I posted it yeah. and it went like viral and was like, whoa. But you know, for me, it was like, just like go to the gym and just try to do muscle up. And it was that, you know, I didn't train for that. And I no longer keep kept uh, training for that because, you know, um, I injured a bit in the, in my chest because of the transition. It's very aggressive. You need like a crazy mobility and you know, the risk of injury is too high. And I just said, you know what? I mean, just let's just leave it there. I don't want to keep going in down that road. I could probably have lifted like 65, maybe 70, I don't know. But you know, just like, that's it. I mean, at that point, I, I was like, compared to now, I was like very, very weak. I mean, I couldn't even pull, I think more than 30 kilos in a bar muscle up. So I don't know now how much I could do in the rings. But, you know, I'm not trying that because of health um, concerns, you know. <laughs> well, the, the good thing to know is that if you do your homework on the basics and you get stronger at those pull-ups, 
you have such a base to just transition into all these other crazy feats. As you said, you didn't even need to practice it, but you had the base. Totally, totally. But the rings, you know, the rings are are very hard. I mean, you really have to be used to the rings because um, of the instability and also because they require like, uh, you know, different type of strength and you need to get used to it because if not, you can injure it very, very easily your shoulders. I agree with that. And I feel that when people see a movement and they want to translate it to a different apparatus, they think, oh yeah, because I've done it, I'll just be able to do it without any issue at all. I always tell people if you're going to train on a different surface, if it's like floor, parallettes, rings, you almost have to have an initial like induction period where you've got this certain level, just take it a step back because it's a new skill. Your body's unfamiliar with it and you want to give yourself time to adapt. Just you got to chill out a bit. Totally, totally. For example, if I now went back to the to the rings and tried to do an iron cross that I was easily available to do it in the past, I wouldn't just go for it, you know, first time. I would just go slowly and, <laughs> and try not to injure myself because I'm sure that if I tried an iron cross right now, I would just like break a shoulder or something. <laughs> That's it. Listen, listen up, everyone. Yep. Listen up. Yep. <laughs> Are lat pull downs with two arms a useful exercise for calisthenics? Yes, completely. I mean, the the movement is very similar, if not like nearly equal, of of the pull-ups, and it's a great exercise accessory exercise if you want to put some volume work in. You can also add some some post uh, at the bottom for the at the bottom of the movement for the for the pull-ups a sticking point. So yeah, it's a great exercise to to put volume and to build muscle mass in the in the back. Yeah. I think they're fantastic as well. I've included them more recently because I feel they're a great accessory after your pull-ups with your body weight first because then you can really focus on, as you said, different points in the movement, pausing. Um, You don't have to worry about the stability of moving your body through space. And you have the luxury of using a lot of different variations, different types of equipment, different handles. I think calisthenics people shouldn't turn their nose up, so to speak, at the lap pull down because it can help a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's lots of people who doesn't like doing the, the machine work in the gyms because it's like not calisthenics that obviously it is not. But if you want to train for, for you know, very calisthenics uh, or like a street lifting and you want to increase your one rep max, I mean, that's a, a must do accessory work. I mean, you cannot just skip it. What are the benefits of front lever raises? Front lever raises. That's a great exercise to improve the explosive power. Um, probably I missed it when I when you asked me what, what were the exercises that I used to for the muscle up. So so yeah, it's a very good exercise for me for to improve the muscle up um, because it's very explosive. I mean, you need to be explosive. You cannot just go little by little because you will fall off. I mean, you need to carry the momentum from the bottom, which is the part where you can like pull the the strongest in the bottom part right now i don't do it much but in the past i used to do it like 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 two or three times a day you know like the floor level races so so yeah you can do like the full floor level races which is from the bottom to the top which is the easy one and then there's the half floor level races which is from the half to the top which is like the the, that's 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 crazy i'm not sure i can even do more than three repetitions of that right now because of my higher body weight so so yeah but it's a great exercise for you know for the muscle up you can also do it with one leg 
maybe if you cannot do it with with bows or even in the took position so so yeah it's very good for the muscle up it makes a lot of sense pierre because we're looking at the movements in the techniques that you describe for pull-ups and muscle-ups with the front lever pulls you're going to have that in-between scapular engagement you're going to have some not extreme not nothing and specifically for the muscle-up the front lever raise it's overloading that initiation part which is super super important which you wouldn't get as much if you just did pull-ups if you compare the start of a pull-up to the start of a front lever raise slash muscle-up you can see why the front lever raise is a better accessory exercise in terms of specificity of the start yep totally that's probably why i have a such a good start in the muscle-up I'm very explosive and that's probably because of the front lever races because I when I started calisthenics I was in love with the front lever and I just did it every every day so so then when I went to weighted calisthenics my muscle up was just flying you know so it's a good exercise to include in the to your to your workout yeah just make sure that as Pierre said when you're doing it choosing a progression that suits your strength level you don't want to be doing one or two sloppy rep sets with your body in a reverse banana just choose a progression that you can do for at least say three to six reps and ideally trying to minimize momentum from the bottom so that you're initiating it from your pulling muscles yep sure totally what have you learned about weighted dips because you're putting up some pretty pretty big numbers yes um well as i said before i cannot train the weighted dips as i would like to because of my my chest that get easily overloaded. I still don't know why I've been to many physiotherapists and one says one thing, one says another, you know, and it's very hard to actually determine the, where the problem is, but you know, I just need to put a very low, low volume on the, on the dips. So I've learned that, um, for example, uh, technique specifications for the, for the scapula position in the start, you cannot be like retracted uh, as a, you would do in a, in a pull-up. You need to actually ha- be like, you know, have a, like a little protection, like to bring your shoulders like forward. So to, in order to, to protect a bit the chest, because otherwise if in the, in the lower part of the movement, the angle from the chest to the, to the, to the arm, it's very, very large. So you have like a lot of tension in the chest, so you can injure more easily. And, and you know, and the chest also overloads easily. So it's better to protect your shoulders down, to keep your legs straight, um, to squeeze the weight a lot, because when you're going up, you want to uh, pull backwards with your legs, so you have more strength for the dip. Um, and you know, and to keep that position along all the movement. You know, there's many people who, who open the chest up when they are uh, pushing the, the dips. And I like to maintain that position along all the movement because for me, at least, it's the most optimal position for for pushing. And as far as like rep ranges, what have you found the most beneficial for getting that dip super strong? In dips, I tend to go uh, a bit higher repetition range than the pull-ups. I don't know, I think you can maybe um, work with higher rep range uh, in the dips, maybe because the, I don't know, I just feel like it and um, but I also like uh, when I start like a, a deep workout I like to put the first sets with maybe lower uh, rep range and then I go to a higher rep range of, of the back of sets so so yeah I mean like I try to mix those in the same in the same workout what you said regarding higher reps for dips I've heard that 
shared by a lot of people. And I just feel that it tends to be because of the inherent safety, possibly of the exercise. Like you compare a pull up to a dip. If you're going like 80% of one RM, you're going to feel safer doing a pull up than you, than you are a dip. So I guess it makes sense that we feel more comfortable in regular training using a slightly higher rep range and lower intensity for dips. With any calisthenics exercise, there's this idea of dead stop versus non-stop technique. Can you just explain what this is and what you prefer using? Yeah, sure. So dead stop technique, it's um, between the repetitions, just uh, stopping the movement completely. So you don't link, for example, two pull-ups together or two dips together. So when you finish the, the first pull-up, you stop for half a second or one second, and then you do the second one. And this is the same for all the repetitions. And that can be great if you're trying to work for a competition, for example, to to have like a, the best technique possible. But if you maybe want to put more repetitions in, doing that will, I mean, won't allow you to put the same weight as you would take if you did just not do that stop. So that depends on what you want to do. If you maybe want to just like, you know, um, to, to work for like more like brute strength and not for the technique. You just go without that stop um, and then if you want to train maybe more for like competition clean technique you can go with that stop or even you can just like you know get off the box do one pull up go back to the box and then do another like a start from the beginning um yeah i usually do that if i have like very low rep ranges i just like restart the movement from the very beginning just to get used to the proper you know the proper technique and the proper specifications but maybe if i have to do like six repetitions maybe the first four repetitions are just like one after another you know no that stuff yes yes and i think it's important people are aware of which they're doing because you want to make progress with the environment being similar you don't want to go from doing dead stop and then in week four of your program, suddenly start doing nonstop and be like, oh, I'm, I'm progressing now. But well, you're actually just making use of the stretch reflex and using a different form. So it's good to know what you're doing. And I would also encourage people once again to incorporate both. Both have value. Yep, totally. Yeah, exactly what you said. If usually when I, when I test my six repetition max, I just go always the same. I mean, like no dead stop on the first and then the last ones I have some dead stop. But if I try to test my two repetitions max, I will always, always, always put dead stop. Yep. What would you say is the smartest way to go about improving 1RM strength? To have a proper planification of what you're going to do, to actually like foresee the future and say, okay, I have three months for a certain event or I want to test myself in three months. Um, how do we schedule those three months for me to, to, you know, to optimize the, the weight I will be able, able to lift in, in three months time. So, you know, just to do like a small planification of, you know, I will start first month with more volume, more hypertrophy, some technique, and I will still start, cut down the, the repetitions and put the weight up. Um, you know, just like that planification, I think it's a key for, well, it's the most optimal way to, to improve. Um, you see professional powerlifting athletes um, do this. And, you know, it's pretty similar to, to weight calisthenics in terms of like um, the programs. How would you match up following a program combined with auto-regulation and following the signs and symptoms of what your body is feeling? Of course, we all have like weak, weaker days. We all have like days where we feel like invincible. 
but but yeah so so basically if you know you had like something programmed for today and today you're just not feeling uh good um i don't know um you have not slept well or whatever um just you know bring the weight a little lower to what you feel it's your one repetition max today uh and just do the same but um you know with with how you feel today so the the, the input is going to be more or less the same for today um and you can work with that. I mean, like if you usually have 100 kilo one repetition max, but today you feel very bad and and you think you're maybe more like 295 or 90 kilo, just adapt the weight of the of your sets to to that weight. So so yeah. A common question and problem people have is how to mix calisthenics and weights. Can you just explain what you would say to someone new to mixing calisthenics and weights? Yeah, that's um. That's that somehow I something think about like when did I start adding weights? I mean I can't remember. I just someday I just tried it and I, I started with that. But you know I had a very 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 solid base of calisthenics. Um, because you know I could do maybe 15 muscle ups body weight. I could do floor levers like nothing. You know, and for me starting with calisthenics was like very very easy. So if you have a very good base, you can start trying with uh, lower weights. Um, and you know, more like uh, higher repetition ranges, so you can get used to the weights. Um, but you know, if you are like n- newer to calisthenics and and don't really, you're not really sure if you can like start with weights. What I would probably do is um, <clears throat> you still you need to have like a, a a minimum base to to start putting weights. I mean, it has no sense to put weights on a pull up if you can only do like two pull ups or three pull ups. I mean, you have to have at least. Uh, like I don't know, like let's say six, seven pull-ups to be able to put some weight. So so yeah, you you need like to have like a like a base, and you know start from the bottom. Um, you will progress fast in the beginning because you know you have like a lot of um, range to of progress. But you know, uh, don't get too excited because one day you will feel uh, you will get stuck, and you know just like keep going little by little. I like your answer. Most can say the same thing on their journey that. Oh, I just felt like it was getting a bit easy, calisthenics. So I just needed to add a bit more weight. I like that. For the strength enthusiast, can you explain what post-activation potentiation is and why we should use it? PAP, the short word, um, it's um, it's something athletes used to <clears throat> to enhance the explosiveness of an exercise. Um, so, for example, if um, I don't know, you have like a set of five repetitions of some exercise, you want to do <clears throat> before that, you want to do a set of one repetition with, let's say, I don't know, like a higher weight that you need to use for the five repetitions. So, let's say uh, maybe with your 90% of your one repetition max, you're doing one repetition, and then you're doing the five repetitions with whatever, with 80% of your one repetition max. So that way, <clears throat> basically, you're telling your your body your nervous system to, hey, wake up, you have something um, to do now, and it's going to feel, the weight is going to feel, um, you know, less heavy um, once you do that. So, so yeah, it's something mental, I don't know, um, but, you know, it, it really helps. How often do you use that? All the time, sometimes? I used to, I used to use it, like, literally, like, every day, like, um, <laughs> what set do I have today? Okay, let's just build up to when to to nearly to one repetition max and then just start the workout because also that was a way for me to improve and to test my technique with higher weights that is something that i don't usually do 
um, because you can It's not the same testing your technique with you know 75 or 80 percent of your one repetition max uh, than going to 90 percent of your one repetition max or 95. Um, you also need to have like experience with the weights. So it was a very good way for me to do that. But you know, also you have to take into account that it's very tiring and it really fat fatigues your, your nervous system. So, you know, nowadays I'm not doing it that much. Um, I would say probably if I program the, the weeks, you know, in blocks of four or five weeks, maybe the, the final weeks I can add it, but not all the, all the weeks, not the first weeks. Pierre, it was great chatting to you, mate. Where can people find out your work if they want to see what you're up to? Basically in Instagram. And I also have a webpage for calculating your one repetition max if you're interested. Fantastic. See ya. See ya. If you enjoyed that, click here for another value-packed fitness FAQs video. Peace.